When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Summer nights, jukebox playing low. Yesterday everything was going too fast. Today it's moving too slow. I got no place left to turn. I got nothing left to burn. Don't know if I saw you, if I would kiss you or kill you. It probably wouldn't matter to you anyhow. You left me standing in the doorway crying. I got nothing to go back to now. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host of Freewheeling, Rob Kelly, and joining me this week to talk about the outstanding track, Standing in the Doorway, from 1997, superb time out of mind, is fellow Bobcat, Tim Murphy. Hi, Tim. Hi, Rob. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm glad to have you here. Uh, this, I love this song. I mean, this is a great album. We already know. Everyone knows this is a great album, but I absolutely love this song. I can't wait to talk about it. But of course, since you're new to the show, I have to ask you, like, how'd you become a fan? Okay. Um, well, it happened uh, gradually, but it happened uh, traumatically all at the same time, and it <laughs> happened suddenly. Um, like, I was a regular old Bob Dylan fan, classic rock. Uh, you know, I enjoyed classic rock, and I worked with a couple guys when I was a teenager, and they were a little older than me, and one of them really liked Bob Dylan. And, you know, I hadn't heard that kind of Bob Dylan. I've heard the greatest hits volume one and stuff like that. And um, but I hadn't heard the stuff he was listening to. And long story short, um, I was a little bit exposed to it. And um, at, when I was a teenager, a friend of mine died. A friend of mine got hit by a train. Oh, and, Lord. And, oh, yeah, my yeah. Yeah. I was I was there. <gasps> and um, yeah, it, it was, um, you know, it, he, he died. It was, um, you know, the end for him. And I was I was not even 16 yet. And um, it was a life changing thing. It was a life changing thing. So um, I had I didn't know what I don't know what was going on. Um, but for some reason, Bob Dylan music came in, into my life around that time. And it's the only thing that really spoke to me. And it was it's been and that was uh, more than 20 years ago. And it's been that way ever since. So um, that really is how I became a Bob Dylan fan. That music and the lyrics, you know, even the the stuff that he sings about that doesn't make any sense. Uh, the you know, uh, you know, the visions of Johanna kind of lyrics and things like that. And uh, you know, for for whatever reason, that music really, really, really spoke to me. And I'll say that those couple albums, "Blood on the Tracks," the title was was spoke to me. Uh, that album and John Wesley Harding are hmm. the two, uh, oh, and Blonde on Blonde, but those three albums really got me going, and, and it's been it's been an obsession and a love ever since. You wow. know, have you ever seen them live? Yeah, I, I've seen them uh, more than twenty, but less than thirty. I'm pushing thirty, so <laughs> wow. No, I and I and I lost count, and every time he comes around again, I try to make a list of how many times I've seen them, and I think I I some I think I overestimated, but I know it's been at least twenty and. You know, it's been uh, I started seeing him in 99 on that Paul Simon tour. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. And um, I've seen him, you know, I've seen him so many times, but nothing has been as great as uh, these last five years. It's just been unbelievable. 
you know. So I and I, I went to see him in Ohio. I've seen him a million times uh, in Philly. I've seen him uh, in Atlantic City and North Jersey and things like that. But uh, you know, I, I just I, he comes around. Got to see him, you know, because I don't know if it's going to be the last tour. I'll see. You know? Right, that's kind of the attitude that I have. I'm, I, I, I've seen him t- again 23 times. Well, the more people I talk to, it's sort of funny. Like in in regular life, when I tell someone I've seen Bob Dylan 23 times, they're like, "Wow!" But the, yeah. when, but but it, you know, now that I've been doing the show, like that's a small number compared to a lot of the people that I talk to. Because of know. course, I'm pulling from a different pool, of course. So absolutely, and and I started seeing him when I was 17. So you know. Uh, it's not a bad ratio for the age I'm at. You no, know? no, not at all. My goodness. So, yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this song, Sitting in the Doorway, I mean, I don't know how you feel about Time Out of Mind. I mean, I think the album's a masterpiece. It's certainly, yeah. certainly a, 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 in terms of the dramatic punch that it packed, uh, it was, was pretty outsized because, of course, he had been kind of quiet for a couple of years, and then the... The records he had put out before that were the cover, the acoustic covers, and it, you know, there was a lot of talk at the time of like, oh, is he done? Is this it? And then, boom, you know, here comes this incredibly powerful record. That said, um, I think some of these songs are better than others, and I, I'm perfectly fine with Lovesick. Uh, I don't, <laughs> lo- I don't love it. There's just something about yeah. that stabbing organ that just, I don't know, just to me, to me like keeps me at a distance. And then I like, mm-hmm. dirt, I like Dirt Road Blues. But I, it, yeah. I mean, it's pretty simple. Uh, but then it's this one that begin the opening music, which of course uh, has like a, a, a is pulling from uh, "Can't Help Falling in Love with You," the same musical notes opening. This is to me the first song on the on the record that starts to address mm. the title of the record, "Time Out of mm. Mind," because this song to me stops time. This song runs yeah. almost eight minutes, but it doesn't feel like it. At all. And to me, you get lost in it. And it's just this sort of ambient swirl. Again, thanks to the stellar musicians he's got playing with him. But this is to me the beginning. Like, I'm like, okay, this album is now, we're now entering into super, you know, great level album territory with this track. This song, um, sometimes it feels like it's three minutes, and then sometimes it'll be the second verse, and it'll feel like, oh, this can be the end right here. And then he's <laughs> right, got, yeah. you know, it's a very weird thing, but because uh, oftentimes when I listen to it, having not listened to it for a long time, um, yeah, like, or maybe the second to last verse, I'll say, oh, this is the last one. But then, no, there's a whole nother verse, you know? <laughs> it is It's such a good song, and it is the masterpiece of the album, in my opinion, and it really sums up... Uh, the whole like I heard Dylan in some interviews say like, well, why does everybody think that that's such a depressing album? Like, what are you talking about? Like, it's got it's got Highlands on it. But like, if you go back and listen to that album, it's got Lovesick, Trying to Get to Heaven, Can't Wait, uh, Not Dark Yet. Not Dark Yet. Yeah. Gee, why yeah. is it depressing, Bob? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. You tell me till I fell in love with you and all those songs that those five or yeah, those five songs. They all are, have a lot in common with this song, too. Like, they all kind of are telling sort of the same story. But this one is the saddest song. That's and a, that's, this is a sad song. That's a really interesting observation that you just made about how you could kind of plug any verse in any spot and it would still work because it, I never really thought of it. But that is and that's probably what I'm getting at when I say I feel like it stops time because it really is a guy – uh, in this play, in this place, some seedy bar that is filled with uh-huh. smoke, um, uh-huh. and uh, probably the kind of place that the Jack of Hearts would hang out at. 
and yeah, it, and it just and he's just ruminating. You know, he's he's talking to himself, and he says the light in this place is so bad; it's making me sick in the head. All the laughter is just making me sad. The stars have turned cherry red. I'm strumming on my gay guitar, smoking a cheap cigar. The ghost of our old love has not gone away. Don't like it look like it will anytime soon. You left me standing in the doorway crying under the midnight moon. And there's, I love that verse in that. I think Bob Dylan is probably one of the very few people in modern parlance that could use the word gay in its yeah. old connotation. Yeah, I mean, gay means kind of one thing at this point. It's been, you know, but I mean, he that's how the sort of old timey verbiage he's using. And again, it just to me, it's like I I never of course, no one can ever figure out how they decide these things. But like, you know, when they made videos to promote this record, they made a video for Not Dark Yet. And yeah, I, huh? I mean, the, yeah. I mean, look, that's an outstanding song, but I don't know how that, you know, this eight minute rumination on a guy who's about to die. Uh, is going to help you sell your record. To me, this has so many visuals that that it brings to mind. This, to me, this would have been a great single to make. I could just picture yeah. this bar that he's this poor guy is playing at. Yeah, this 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 bar where he dances with a stranger mm. in, in the end, and it reminds him of his old girlfriend or whoever he's talking about. Uh, you know, this song. I, I don't even know what to say about it because it's just so. Um, you know, he said, what does he say? I know the mercy of God must be near. Mm. I mean, this is a guy who's talking about, I mean, he's down and out in this yep. song. I mean, the mercy of God must be near. He says, and, and there are things I could say that I don't, uh, you know, that he's biting his tongue. He wants to lash out at uh, his love, um, but he doesn't, you know, and it's, uh, it, it's just, it, it's just, it's just, it, it, and this is what the song really does is paint the picture. You know, it, it really sets the mood. The setting in this song is really you really walk with them in it. You know, you're you're right there with them. And and, and the music, too, like when you said the, uh, the the beginning, it's that. What is it? The slide guitar. Yeah, it has. It has you the first couple notes. Yeah. Uh, we should mention that the musicians on this particular song, you've got uh, Buddy Baxter, Bucky Baxter from his band. Uh, you've got Brian Blade, um, Robert Britt, and Cindy Cashdollar is playing the slide guitar. And, you know, Cindy Cat, like the greatest name in the history of anybody, Cindy <laughs> Cashdollar. I mean, that's such an amazing name. But, I mean, yeah, it, it, it he really did put together, I mean, him and Lenoir, of course, put together yeah. this, this. And you can tell it's a Lenoir song, no doubt about it. Right. It sounds like it's behind one of those smoke screens yep. that. He yep. did on Oh Mercy, you know? Yep, yep, yep. Um, and it's funny. I, I have seen some interpretations of this song, and there's about that. This is a guy who uh, is probably, th- or at the very least, he's thinking of committing some act of violence. And there's a lot of always implicit violence, not explicit and implicit violence in Bob Dylan songs. But, I mean, the next verse, he says, maybe they'll get me, and maybe they won't. But not right. tonight, and it won't be here. And then you, there's that line you're talking about. There's things I could say, but I don't. I know the mercy of God must be near. I'm in riding the midnight train. Got ice water in my veins. Well, I mean, right. you know, you need to have that if you're going to go kill somebody. I would be crazy if I took you back. It would go up against every rule. You left me standing in the doorway crying, suffering like a fool. I, I don't know if I totally buy that, but I, I can see it if you want to find it there. I mean, maybe they'll get me and maybe they won't suggest you're well, what's he, who's he talking about? Who's the they? And what have you done that they're going to get you for? Well, maybe it's because he's thinking of doing something pretty serious and he's assuming he'll get caught, but maybe not. That's how, again, down and out this guy is. 
Yeah, and he's been riding the midnight train. I mean, he's been riding the midnight train his whole life. He tours at night. He plays at night. But that's that's kind of just I've been riding the midnight train. It's so poetic and it's so, um, you know, he's just, you know, he's the last kind of troubadour, kind of uh, like a pioneer of America in a way. And, and you know, he knows that. He knows that and he sings about it. He tells you, you know, he's the last kind of cowboy. Uh, and they don't they don't do that anymore. They don't. And I think he says it in the uh, the, the other song, um, um, trying to get to heaven. Something you know they don't have any midnight riders anymore, kind of thing. Yeah, no midnight but, ramblers like they did before. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But yep. he is one. He sure is one. You know. But yeah, and he's got ice water in his veins, and he does. You know, and it's kind of <laughs> like that. Um, um, I'm in a cowboy band. You know that lyric from uh, the next album. But that, that's kind of what he is, you know? He is a bad dude, in a way. <laughs> and he's, the song goes on. He says, when the last rays of daylight go down, buddy, you'll roll no more. I can hear the church bells ringing in the yard. I wonder who they're ringing for. I know I can't win, but my heart just won't give in. Last night I danced with a stranger, but you just reminded me you were the one. You left me standing in the doorway crying in the dark land of the sun. Now, again, I don't want to over... I was about to say I don't want to overanalyze these lyrics, but what the hell else are we doing here? Yeah. But I, w- I will say um, there is a a film from the from the mid nineteen eighties, a British film called "Dance with a Stranger" about a murder, about a guy that murders uh, his girlfriend, and it's based on a true story. Um, and so I have, and we know Bob loves movies. Um, and it seemed like I could, and I think it's in black and white. I think that's remembered. Uh, when I worked at a video store, I remember it being distinctive in that it's a movie from the eighties, but it's in black and white. But I mean, That's I, right up that, that, that line jumps out at me last night. I danced with a stranger. Just because, yes. I mean, obviously it's a phrase, but there's something again with all the violence implicit. And then he literally quotes something that is referring to a movie about a murder. But it makes me say, okay, maybe this, maybe that theory is not so crazy. Yeah. And when, but he, that, that line is so sad. Last night I danced with a stranger, but she just reminded me that you were the one. You were the one. I mean, she's gone. She's not coming back. You know, like you were the one, and he still thinks about her. You know, it might be, it might have been recent. It might have been five years ago. It might have been twenty years ago. Whoever he's talking about, he still thinks about her, and he's still singing about her. It's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, as far as I'm concerned. And you know, another thing about the the, the refrain, you left me standing in the doorway crying. You know, that's like pretty he's just telling, you know, he's he's writing his own song, but he's telling the one who got away or the many who got away. You left me standing in the doorway crying. It's just so it's so sad. Yeah, it is. Uh, and he wraps up with I'll eat when I'm hungry. I drink when I'm dry. Live my life on the square. And if the flesh falls off of my face, which is a ghastly image, <laughs> I know someone will be there to care. Uh, it always means so much. Even the softest touch. I got nothing to begin by any explanation. There's no words that need to be said. You left me standing in the doorway crying, blues wrapped around my head. And I find it interesting that the opening lines of this verse, the I'll eat when I'm hungry, I'll drink when I'm dry, uh, is is kind of uh, very similar to uh, a couple lines from Cold Iron's Bound, where he sings okay, about the, the, the fats in the fire and the water's in the tank and the whiskey's in okay. the jar and the money's in the bank, like this kind of, I've got everything squared away. Everything's where it's supposed to be. I'm living... The life, you know, I'm living like a normal life, and yet, you know, that's everything's just kind of the way it's supposed to be. And then he hits you with this: if the flesh falls off of my face, dear lord, bizarre, bizarre. That's, uh, you know, does it get more 
over dramatic than that. That is like, <laughs> you know, that's pr- I, I can't. That's pretty strong. And, but then he says, if, if the flesh falls off of my face, I know someone will be there to care. That's that's kind of weird. Those two to go together. Uh, it's different. Definitely I always sure. I always took that that he's being uh, bitterly sarcastic. That he knows yeah. no one's going to be there to care. He's just saying, I know it's almost like like yeah, I know someone will be there to care when you really don't. He's not mm-hmm. saying that at all. But yeah. he's sort of like he's uh, it's like a false bravado. I know someone will be yeah. there to care. That kind of thing. Yeah. And you're like, well, not the way you're going, pal. Well, you said about um, Cold Iron's Bound, and you know the song "Dreaming of You." Sure. From Telltale Signs, that has um, that's almost a mixture of this song. Yep. Um, yeah, it's got. Um, it starts out the light in this place is really bad. The yep. next verse means so much. The softest touch. Church bells are ringing in the yard. Run, and I like that song. You know, and that's got that's that song. Dreaming of You has Cold Irons Bound, Standing in the Doorway, and Highlands in it. All mm-hmm. different different lines. So he took that song. And he made three different songs out of it during these sessions. Um, and, and that's a good song. Dreaming of You was a pretty oh, good yeah, song. Oh, yeah. No, I like that song a lot. Yeah. He made a video out of it. And, um, you know, but uh, I don't think it stands with this one. And those these two have a lot in common. This, this one has the most lines of any other song in that song, Dreaming of You. But I will take this one any day of the week, personally. It really is interesting the way he can sort of, again, transpose material from one song to the next or reuse something or find something that he wants to do. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I love dream interview. I think that's a great, I think it's a terrific yeah, song. It's, it's, it's not the same as this. It's, it's right. more rocking. It's more, um, you know, this is a lot, you know, more melancholy for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, you said this really does. I never, uh, I don't know how he's able to do it, but I think it's almost on every record. He puts up these one, he'll put up one song that is like eight, nine minutes. And you think, hey, what does this need to be? I mean, but it never feels like it. I feel like Spirit yeah. on the Water is like that on Modern Times where it's just this gentle lilt. And you don't realize that nine minutes have passed. And that's, this is this feels like that. This feels, every time I listen to it, it feels like it goes by so quickly that it's like, oh, this must be like, what, four minutes? And it's no, it's almost eight. And it's just, again, I don't know how... You do it. There's that, you know, Einstein's theory of that about time being relative, saying, you know, five seconds on a hot stove is really long. When five seconds talking to a, five seconds talking to a pretty girl is long enough. It's like, yeah, yeah. you know. I don't. Again, I can't figure out how he how he does it. But to me, this was really. I remember buying this record the day it came out, and I brought it back to the house, and I put it on, and I remember again. I remembered hearing "Love Sick," and I was like, hmm, okay. And then I was like, dur, 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 okay. And then the, when this one came, I was like, whoa, okay. This isn't yeah. anything I've even really heard him kind of do before. Right. And it just, again, it, it's, I, I, I do not tire of it. I think it's just. It's I never do. Yeah. Uh, there, this song is special. I heard this song about a year, maybe a little less than a year, before my first real heartbreak. Mm. Okay. So I love this song and it put me in that mood um, I hadn't experienced it yet, but I could relate. So with Bob Dylan, you don't have to always know exactly what he's talking about, but it comes through. Yep. You know, you, it's it's just amazing. It, he he can he can he can throw a nonsensical lyric in there that makes no sense, but for some reason it makes sense to you. It, uh, you interpret it as you do. But like I said, I, I didn't experience heartbreak till a year after or so. I heard this song. But I, I did in a way, or maybe I set myself up for it. But once I did, you know, 
experienced heartbreak, this song was there, you know, and uh, and it was there to and it it, it spoke true, you know, and and I and I was actually left standing in a doorway, believe it or not, you know, and it's yeah, it's just the way it is. And and um, that last time he says it, he says, you left me standing in the doorway crying. He stretches out these the 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 the, uh, syllables. If you didn't hear me the first five times I said it, let me say it to you one more time, mm. slower, because I'm. And he says it slower this, that last time, and it really hits home. Yeah. You know, I've said before in other episodes that it's like he'll do stuff in a song, and it may not make any sense to you at the moment, and then you give it a couple of years, and there you go. You yeah. know, you're like, whoa, oh wow, oh oh, geez, and it's yeah. it's Yo, like he's so some true. weird time traveler or something, and he knows that's stuff true. from the future. I don't know how he does it, but uh, the only other. This is this for my money is the saddest Bob Dylan song of his whole repertoire. Wow. The oh I think so far and away. The only thing that maybe comes close is Born in Time. Hmm. But this but this one is I, I can't think of a sadder song that he writes, but with such a beautiful melody. Such a beautiful melody. Yeah, and right, and right. It it doesn't offer really any glimmer of hope. <laughs> to, you know, uh, unlike Highlands, like we, we talked about a couple episodes ago, this this doesn't. This is just this guy is is this guy is effed basically, and it ain't changing. And but the melody, just, the, the melody offers hope to me. It's a, it's a, such a sweet mm. melody. Sad, but it's sweet at the same time. It's bittersweet. You know, it's a it's a beautiful melody. You know, and uh, uh, it, it 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 it's not just the end of the world sad like uh it's like there is i think there is a little bit of hope in it um just because it's such a sweet song and well you know somebody else experienced it but you know it's just such a lovely sound that there he, he makes something beautiful out of something so sad yeah well, i said that's uh you know it's a rare gift and he's able to do it uh in terms of uh concerts uh this has only been played 58 times he started playing it in 2000 oddly enough so not he didn't play it right when the record came out he actually gave mm-hmm. it a couple of years and then he played it uh, most recently on april fool's day 2017 so it's not mm-hmm. something he plays a whole lot i mean it's a long song um there is a version on youtube you can you can hear uh and it's good yeah. it's it's sort of fun to watch because um the uh, the lead-in is much longer much longer and mm-hmm. you can see him kind of keep going up to the mic like he's about to start singing and then he pulls back and then he does it again. Yeah. It's almost like he's just kind of like, oh, let me just, we'll to feel just it. meander a little. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to feel it. And then he goes into it and stuff like that. So, but yeah, so it's not something he's going to play probably a lot, but uh, you know, every so often he'll, 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 uh, he'll pull it out. And it's it. It's, it's just a, a really beautiful song. And, and it's the kind of thing that made time out of mind what it was, you know, it was just yeah. like, this is, and- who's, who was making music like this in 1997? No, nobody. This was this 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 whole album was unbelievable, and it really floored me. I I didn't hear this album until probably a year and a half after it came out, and I'm like, how did I miss it? You know, I just I just I would always go to the you know music store and pick out albums, but I didn't get my hands on it till uh, a year and a half, probably 1998 or early 99. Yeah, early yeah, and um. You know that, that like I was, I was still a teenager when this came out, but this is the the uh, song that I think I may have heard it live. I'm not sure. Uh, I've heard a lot of live versions of it, but for my money, this song more than more than any is is such a studio song. You know, and I not that I would ever think anything, but it's it's almost perfect in the studio. It's perfect the way it is. I, I do love it. Yeah, what I wouldn't uh, give to have footage of like him 
recording in a studio. I don't. I. I the, other than um, some little clips of the Wilburys, I can't think of any video footage I've ever seen of him recording. Uh, no, there's uh, uh, there's some stuff on. Um, uh, there's a thing from him in Concha Hawk and PA that you can hear. Uh, you can you can. It's the 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 sessions from. Uh, the name of that song. Um, it's on Telltale Signs, but it's uh, he recorded it in Concha Hawk in Pennsylvania, and you hear the whole. He starts with the song, and uh, two hours later he finds the the a uh, tell old bill. It's tell old bill. Oh, the, okay, right. Yeah, the uh, the track he did for the North Country movie. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, he, and you hear all the versions of that and how it turns into the uh, the one that he likes in the end. But yeah. Well, but I mean, like if their video. Like I would love to see oh, video. Like, like, that would be amazing would be to see. You know, the one with Mark Knopfler. Um, that's uh, "Don't Fall Apart on Me Tonight." That might be the only uh, uh, studio stuff I see. Oh, have you ever seen that? No, I never have. I'll have to yeah, try and don't, dig don't that out. Don't fall apart on me tonight with Mark Knopfler. There's some studio stuff. Oh, for that. that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine. Again, I've I've talked about this in other episodes about. The, uh, that interview with Jim Dickinson that he did for uh, in, on the Tracks magazine where he talks about working on Time Out of Mind. And it's just like he, he they were recording at like four in the morning and stuff. So it really has yeah. that feel to it. I can picture like are all the lights turned down or like what? It, like, okay. It's probably just the coolest thing ever to, to be oh, in this I heard room. That, I heard that those sessions were very testy. At times with yeah. him and Lenoir, not just and I heard Oh Mercy was, but I heard Time Out of Mind also like he was ignoring Lenoir like he would come in the room and Bob would say something like, do you did you hear someone or like, you know, he's just ignoring Lenoir <laughs> he, now, yeah, like, and things like that. But he's losing his temper and, mm. you know, breaking instruments. Yeah. They're still Can't friends, imagine. though, too. I mean, they're still friends. You know, I heard well, about I that. Mean, uh, he had uh, masterpieces. Yeah, him, and know? he and he played Lanois a bunch of songs from the from the Sinatra records ahead of time. So I mean, obviously, there's still they have some sort of professional kind of friendship that goes on. But yeah, I would imagine producing Bob Dylan has got to be a pretty much impossible task. And yet, Lanois did it twice and did it, su- did it successfully one, you know? both times. So sure, sure. So uh, well, I said I think that's going to do it for for standing in the doorway. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for for coming on. Thanks for reaching out, and it's just super fun to talk about this song. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad I uh, came on. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And, of course, if you want to subscribe to the show, you can go to Apple Podcasts or you can go to Stitcher and or you can go to the website, firewaterpodcast.com, and all the back episodes are there. And you can leave a comment, which I would always appreciate. And we are always uh, talking Bob Dylan over on Twitter, which is at pod underscore Dylan. So that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye.
doorway crying I got nothing to go back 